A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Foundation Podcast. We are the Lorehounds, your guides to psychohistory. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Apple TV Plus original series, Foundation. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 5. Oh my god, halfway. The Sighted and the Scene. Be sure to stick around at the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for August. For early and ad-free access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. If you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and or a rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews help people find our podcast, even on Terminus. We love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air, so send us feedback for the next episode. Send emails to empire at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website, And over there, you can use our nifty voicemail feature. We can drop your comments right onto the episode or use the contact form. You can also post messages on our Discord server. We can include those comments as well. We do that from time to time. There's links in the show notes for all of those things. The Discord, uh, yeah, we've got some good conversation rolling over there. Some people doing some theory crafting. It's a lot of fun. Join us. We got channels for Ahsoka. We got channels for... Uh, Wheel of Time, things are happening. Absolutely. It's a fun time to be on the Discord. I know we. I just put out the call for Ahsoka feedback because we oh. are getting started on that tonight, too. That's right. That's right. John, episode five, we're halfway. I cannot believe we're halfway already. This is like it's going to be over before we know it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's going places. I think that this is actually <laughs> really the first somewhere. episode where I went, huh, that is very interesting. Yeah. I'll continue. Well, I mean, I think you said to me earlier today, right? We have a new faction that we've mm-hmm. never seen before. We we have these mentalics who could be anything, and they seem to have some nefarious intentions, although perhaps that's misleading. As we well, have, yep. uh, we have this not dragged out, which I really appreciate that, not dragged out plot line of Sarath and her intentions. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm finally getting a picture of what she intends where she's at. I don't think that she planned the assassination. I do think that she is not in favor of this marriage in earnest, and this is all a ploy to get information. Mm-hmm. Um, and this memory stuff is so cool. Wild. I mean, yeah. what is happening with can they erase memories? What is it like to re- have memories replaced? 
Demerzel having an inalterable memory, that makes zero sense to me, but I guess fine. And then Harry, what is going on with that? His blood, is it is it black? Is it red? Mm-hmm. Is he a robot? Is he not? Why did he say, I am the same as right before I died? How does he know that? Right. And it makes me think of uh, the comment that he made last episode when he said a passing ghost. Wait, is that, you know, that's was the other. That- was that the other Harry? Yeah, was that sort that of was a the other positioning Harry, yeah. quantum thing happening there? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I don't. Right. I don't think that the Harrys are super positioned mm-hmm. because there no, was the, a comment the, in this episode where they, the yeah, other guy, yeah, the other guy Hugo, he goes, "Oh yeah, no, remember me? I was part of the first crisis." Blah blah blah, and they were like, "Actually, no, he doesn't." So we right. we are being reaffirmed constantly that these two Harrys are distinct and separate and not the same person. And yet the Prime Radiant as a sort of little supercomputer is superpositioned. So right. was he looking at the Prime Radiant at the right time and there was like a blip of information about Hober or something like that? Yeah, we don't know yet. We we, right. we haven't been let in on those rules yet. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What about you? What did you think of this episode? You know, it was a it was an interesting episode. I uh, as as often is the case when we do our episode recaps, uh, I tend to enjoy things when I'm able to take them apart and look at them and examine them a little bit more. I think on my first viewing, I was a little bit blown away by the mentalics and this whole thing on Ignis, and I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, I don't know what I feel about this. I don't know what I think about this. But then on balance. That was a very short part of the episode. It didn't really do a lot, but it's finally giving traction to Gail, Salvor, and and Cray Cray Harry. I don't know what do we call him, the real Harry. Yeah, so they finally have some stuff to do, which which I like, and there's some intrigue and some danger. So that was great. But this memory stuff is just wild. They've been building mm-hmm. up to it all season so far. You know the power of memory. Uh, how is memory constructed or reconstructed? And when you remember something, right. it's actually a reconstruction, right? There's this whole weird thing about how we actually perceive our memories. Can memory be stored externally? And what does that mean? Uh, memory is unreliable. Um, how memory tells us the truth about things. I think right. uh, Rue was talking about, I want to feel, you know, if I fall from the top of the mountain, I want to feel that. Right, um, right. You know, and I want—I want to remember even those uh, those things, those memories that might cause me embarrassment or shame because that that right. informs me uh, about things. And so it's it's really incredible. I did think there's some beautiful visual stuff going on in this episode, and then mm-hmm. um, this episode really did an interesting thing too. And I think it's in line with the the whole memory aspect of it, which is we get two flashbacks. And we're yes. not a real yes. flashback heavy show. I mean, they use them, uh, they deploy them as they need, but this this is really, um, it was an interesting construction and I, I like it. And I feel like the pacing, I just feel like we're firing in all cylinders, everything's moving. Yeah, we're getting somewhere now. Yeah, and even if we're bringing in a whole new faction and a whole new twist and complication to it, it, it didn't slow it down in, in any way. It, in fact, it accelerates the plot in, in many ways yeah. because now we've only got, oh my God, we've only got five more episodes to figure out who these people are, what they want, and you know what kind of craziness is going to go on with them. So, Yeah. And you know I got to say the, the humor is a lot better overall the last two episodes. Okay. Okay. 
I think that the scene, the bedroom scene especially, had me rolling laughing. It was <laughs> well, so yeah. funny. That is sex position the way it was supposed to be done. Because I don't, it's not like Game of Thrones where you're just sending me gratuitous sex scenes. We right. never saw any sex happen. We just saw the lead up and it was hilarious. And it told me a lot about these two people. Yes, and it was it did. very it did. political. And even in the in the fumbling and the in the whatever and the right. uh, whatever, which was it, uh, which that's is my also, toe. <laughs> yeah, that's also very real, right? I mean, it's a it's a funny thing, you know, to to get into these right, positions. Right. And but it, you you were we learned so, like you said, we learned so much about the characters in those very acts as they were acting that stuff out. Right. We're, we're learning more about the facets and the nuances of their their characters. And damn, that's good television. Right. Right. You know, when, right. when the, you can watch a character walk down the street and not say a damn thing and you learn so much about them, that to me is just is great, uh, great construction and, and just how understanding of what this medium is and how to deploy uh, actors and writing and cinematography all together to, to deliver something fun. I think that's right. I think it's right. Cool. David, you've got open questions for me still? I still, we have many open questions. Mm. Um, so let's just really quickly run through some of the smaller ones, right? There's some small ones, some big ones. We still don't know what's up with Harry's father and what he was doing with those weird sand shapes. That could be just a throwaway. I think, I think we're done with it. I'll yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, the whole question of who tinkered with Day's aura is connected with the blind angels and the assassination attempt. Um, and I know we'll have some thoughts about um, who's behind, uh, you know, these various plots later on. Right. We're curious about the prime radiant. Is it sentient? What is it being a quantum computer and having the ability to be super positioned, uh, you know, in two places mm -hmm. at once kind of thing? Physics. Um, uh, where, so what, what's that about? And then how does the vault kind of connected to that? How does the vault know what the vault knows? Right. How is the vault right. taking in information? Is it Harry taking in information? Is it the vault? Is that just a giant Wi-Fi signal on top of the hill? Um, we learned what Ignis is, so we yeah. can close that question. That one's done. Uh, Calais, is she alive? Harry, is he made real? How has he been made real? I think we've got some questions around that. He's certainly physical. Mm-hmm. Very physical, but yeah, what kind of physical? The new big one, one of the new big ones is where's Ho Hober going? And one that I think is interesting that connects with this episode is on the guard, uh, Markley. He's got a bunch of scars and they make sure that we really understand and see those scars. But then we see what are those and who is he and what does he want? But now suddenly we have some other guys who have some scars on their faces. I don't know if they're connected, but that's like two big visual clues. Okay. Um, that that seem to be screaming out to me. So all right. Again, if you, dear listener, have uh, some questions that you would like to add to our list, things that you think we might have missed or you want to see uh, on here, just drop us a note at empire at thelorehounds.com and we can include those. Definitely. Well, all right, David, we've got uh, a couple little reminders here. You yep. read the books a very long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm -hmm. and uh, you never quite finished them. You haven't no. read a lot of Asimov. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think I was too young when when I tried to read them, thinking mm -hmm. that it was going to you know, be a great thing. And it, it was. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's it's dry. There's there's his bigger, heavier stuff that he's he's laying down. And so it's not, you know, pew, pew, space battle -y stuff. Right. 
And I don't need it to all be space battle but no. as I, I just recently read book one, so that's my background. Right. Uh, I, I don't really have much of a desire to continue with the book series. I'm mm. more invested in the show. Uh, but it would be interesting. I will make a, an asterisk on that. It would be interesting to read some of the later books because it'd be interesting to see how his style changed over time. Yeah, yeah. It does seem like he did mature as a writer throughout that series. These were written as originally short stories that were then anthologized or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or put it, you know, b- bundled together. Okay. But, you know, it was in the 40s. So this right. has a very particular, the first book has a very particular tone to it. Okay. Anyway. Fair enough. Uh, you're also listening to the official podcast, right? Yes, but I did not get a chance yet to listen to episode four's of official podcast because it just came out today. Or five. Or five, which even. is what we're, we're talking, talking about, about next now, week. Yeah, yeah, we're we're a little ahead of schedule. So this is our this is our disclaimer about we are watching the screeners. We're not watching ahead of where we're covering. So right. We're not going to spoil you for anything ahead of this. But if we didn't get your feedback in this episode, that is why. So just keep sending in feedback. The next time we record an episode, we'll read it and we'll keep that rolling. Yeah, we're trying to run ahead a little bit here. We've got some, I've got some personal family vacation and I want to try and podcast while I'm on vacation. I've right, done it. Right. And it's, it's uh, awkward and not it's always no fun. fun. It's and no then, fun. you know, you're talking to your relatives or your, you know, the friends that you're staying with or something and you're like, I need to scoot off for about an hour and a half, two hours so that right. I can sit right. in a very closed, hot closet with a microphone right. and, and talk right. to seemingly no one because you can't hear the other people and just me. Yeah. So. But the good news is, instead of delaying the podcast, we can record it in advance with screeners. So Huzzah. you will still get this on time the day after the episode airs, as soon as basically the embargo lifts. Exciting. So, this is great stuff. I think it's time to get into the episode. Let's do it. You did some show notes. I did the uh, the show notes. I did the breakdown. So I guess I'll read it today. Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. First off, we flash back to just before the death of Harry Seldon. He and Raish have a heart to heart before Raish stabs Harry to death. Harry then wakes up <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, let's have a little yeah. heart to heart. Now I'm going to yeah. kill you. <laughs> yeah. Harry then wakes up to see Raish on the beggar. Raish confirms he is dead, then taunts Harry about his lack of caring and responsibility for Raish's death. Harry seems to wake again and tests himself by holding water and cutting his hand with the knife that killed him, showing he can bleed something. Something. Yeah. Uh, the lighting in this scene was vi- visu- visually beautiful scene uh, in part of the setup where we see sort of this weird silhouette and this rounded shape. But then we have very definite red lighting in the scene and then red lighting on his hand when he cuts himself. If it's blood, it's going to make it look black because of the red light and da, 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 color theory and all that stuff. And then if it's black, it's just going to look black. So we don't know. At least I could not tell uh, what color his blood was. Yeah, and I think yeah, that I that's on purpose. Know. But I guess the question later is, if he's a robot, would he be able to be metallic? Yes. And that's another question is, is, is when the, oh, what's her name? The, uh, the goddess um, says. Yes, uh, I have it later in the notes. Everybody's got like a very specific name. Tell him Bond. Yes. It's Bond. Tell him Bond. Tell him Bond. Make a sign. The royal telebombs. All right. All right. All right. I'm uh, <laughs> um, if he's a robot... So we know that Gale and Salvor have some prescient abilities or they have all of their senses, you know, as as, they, yeah, yeah. as, as it's re- how it's referred to. 
does Harry not hear or can they not read him because mm-hmm. Harry definitely doesn't hear that was that was explicit, yes. made explicit. Yeah, he right. does not hear the whisper because that is a call that only Correct. mentalics can hear. Right. And so is that because he's a robot? Is that because mm. but then if he's a robot, I don't, I don't think so. I think I think the mentalics have designed this to only be heard by other mentalics. I think they've made that pretty clear. So I'm not. But then she was able to project into his dreams, right? Because she was sure. Yeah. In this. Yeah. So so he couldn't hear the, uh, the, the actual call. But also, I don't think that that was a dream with Raish. I think that he did have a dream about Raish. But then after he woke up, that was a person in there with him. Mm. Right. Oh, no, that's not true because he was out of the atmosphere. That's impossible. Yeah. But they had range because they were able to do the whisper out there. So I guess that was a projection of some sort. Man, this is this is some trippy stuff. Yeah. And that's another big question I have is with the mentalics, what's their range? <laughs> you know, yeah. how far can they project out? You're thinking of this on a D&D level, huh? You're like, yes, you're like exactly. What, how many squares can you go? <laughs> how many hexes? How many squares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's get out the rulers. Let's uh, do this <laughs> orthogonal, you know, uh, whatever. So, um, the the this USB knife, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. this dagger. It really reminds me of the cat's paw dagger from Game of Thrones that okay. just kind of yep. floats around from season to season, episode to episode, and it's just sort of there. It's just sort of always there. It's just always going to be doing a thing, and it's it's a nice little connective points to you know this artifact you know that lets us know where we are you know that that the the world is moving on and yet there's this little interesting connectivity so right one of the things i loved about season one was the relationship between race and harry and so when this scene flashed back to that and they had this this conversation uh from season one and then this redux in in season two it really just brought me so many feels. I really loved this this thing about Raish uh, loving and hating his father in, in yep. the same moment. I hate what you've done to us. Yeah. Um, and then to ask, you know, and then and Harry. I mean, if, if Harry trusts anybody, it's it was Raish, uh, e- even though he didn't trust him completely because Harry's just Harry. But then to make your child kill you uh, yeah, to fulfill rough. the plan, even though you're going to be digitally, you know, alive still. Yeah. Also, did you notice what he said it back to Raish after Raish said, I love you? He goes, I know you do. He yes. didn't say, I love you too. <laughs> I love you too. Yeah. It was very Han Solo <laughs> or Princess Leia. Uh, yeah. Can Harry love? Uh, or is he just too into his psycho history and, and it doesn't mean anything to him? Right. But then as when he's later confronted as a grandparent, he, there's a change, right? He's he's shifting a little bit. Well, we we all know stories of grandparents who were very harsh on their children mm-hmm. and are all of a sudden, here, have a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> They're great kids. <laughs> That's right. The actions of the galaxy revolve around one man. So what's the deal here? Are we saying that individuals do or don't matter? Because Harry tells him, you know, look, it's really important that you get on the ship. It's coded for you. You got to right. go. Don't yeah. say goodbye to her. And so he's so there's this fulcrum point, but then if is psycho his, you know, so it's this 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 question of scale and historical conditions, and if it's not you, it'll be somebody else. But ultimately, it always has to be somebody. Somebody's got to step right. up. Right. So are we free from our destiny or not? That's a really yeah. interesting question. Yeah, and I've been thinking about. We we had a discussion. It's we only recorded our episode four podcast last night, so it's still mm-hmm. in my head, and. Uh, We've been having this discussion of 
can you account for attraction and love in psychohistory? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it in the shower today because it was just such like a, a shower thought thing. And I was like, <laughs> if if you are basing math on humans and how they're going to act and you don't account for the fundamental desire to be together and procreate, which is at the base existence of humans and any, mm-hmm. you know, by uh, what, am, what am I trying to say? By morphed being any kind of mm-hmm. sexually reproducing being what what is your math worth if you're not accounting for that you know it, right. it, it's not a good theory if it can account for attraction and love right i mean at some level it does because it presumes that human beings are going to procreate so that there is something of a future <laughs> so that right. you know you just right. don't run out of people to right. statistically measure but then it was. In, I was thinking too today about Gail's monologue from the last one, where she says, uh, "You know, if your great 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 grandparents never met, you wouldn't exist." But guess what? Psychohistory doesn't care. But why would psychohistory care? Psychohistory is not a a a living being. It's not a thing. I mean, it's right. a, it's mathematics. It's it's right. a it's a probability model. It's it's a it's a predictive model of saying. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, given these inputs, this is the expected output, you know, with with, you know, for this particular species. Right. So, no, it doesn't care because it's not something that can care. It's just math and numbers. So, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Can Harry care? Yeah, Harry can care. And he can also read the number. (laughs) Does he care? That's the question. And I think he begins to care when he realizes that as a, you know, hey, I could have been a granddad. Or is he? No, he is a granddad. Or is he using this whole, well, I'm a grandpa to justify being callous to Gail? Like, oh, well, Mm. I have as much reason to care as you do, and I'm still going to be doing the right thing and not trying to save her. You know what I mean? Like, is this just sort of a moral justification for him? Yeah. And that I think that goes to his whole character flaw uh, as a great man of history and the man who has the plan and yep. the man who's trying to shepherd humanity through the shortest period of darkness as the you know galactic civilization collapses yep he, he great visionaries sometimes sacrifice you know make great sacrifices to be able to achieve those goals be they good goals or end goal, you know or not good goals you know right. to be a a wartime leader like Churchill, and even though he sounds like kind of a, a racist dick at times, um, you know, he got England through some of the worst of their right. that there was. Right. Um, you know, or or I'm just trying to think of like, yeah, you know, somebody like Picasso who who sacrificed an ear for his art because he's he was like cray cray, right? So what does it? He was take? having a rough time. He was having yeah, a rough, he very. Um, uh, do you so, say Picasso? Or do you mean Van Gogh? Sorry, I meant Van Gogh. My bad. My bad. Don't don't at me. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> I figured I'd, I'd head us. I'll, I'll head Thank it off you. before yes, the emails come in. Cut that one off before. Oh wait, we shouldn't use any cutting metaphors here. Um, oh boy. There we go. So uh, you know, just this idea that that if you have this bigger objective. What does it cost you on a personal level to be able to achieve that objective? What does it cost you in terms of yourself, your relationships, how people view you or, or remember you? I mean, I think even Dusk says later, you know, you start to care less about what you remember, but how people remember you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Fascinating. 
Well, I think we've milked the scene. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. It was a good, good discussion, though. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the beggar. Uh, the beggar approaches Ignis, which we learn used to be an imperial outpost, but has been abandoned without humans. The atmosphere causes the beggar to shut down and leave Salver with few controls, but she manages to crash land on the planet without injuring the crew. Salver says she saw someone while they descended and insists on searching for them alone. Harry tells Gail not to linger on her vision of Salver's death. Uh, funny, funny little scene here when Harry's stumbling around and, and Salver says, you know, he, he don't, you got to excuse him. He hasn't has legs for a couple of centuries. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the few good lines from Salver. Yes, exactly. We got to take and, him where we get him. The, you know, the last episode was really funny. Lots of jokes everywhere. This one, yeah. I don't think it was high, as high on the the funny meter scale. There just wasn't as, you know, mm-hmm. as you didn't have hope Mallow. Uh, right, exactly. Um, but this was a, a, a cute little line. I, I had to yeah. laugh. And I got some funny Star Wars vibes here, too. Moving around in the ship, it felt very sort of like the Millennium yeah. Falcon companion ways yeah. and stuff. So Also, Harry, like begging for his life there like please 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 he he hasn't feared for his life in how long yes (laughs) invigorating i think he says (laughs) um so we learned that calais didn't register on any sensors right so they couldn't read her or see her but harry did so uh, again dripping some clues uh towards us yeah, and I got some weird little um, Plato vibes here with the cave. You know, he's I, I mean, I know the cave in Plato is people chained up on the wall and seeing, the, you know, shadows projected in front of them as reality. But the the larger metaphor of, you know, being in the dark and not being um, being able to see what's going on and then you come out and then you sort of encounter reality. So he goes into the cave as a digital form and he comes out suddenly changed it just made me think of of that whole um, uh, Mm. philosophical conversation about the cave and reality and memory and and experiencing reality and here he is he's really experiencing reality he's experiencing fear and experiencing not being able to walk but then also uh, trying to understand who he is now he's no longer this weird digital construct which had a different way of being he's now a, a corporeal being and how does that how is that going to affect him going forward? Also, he was going to be dead soon from his disease. Oh, does call. that mean he is? Yeah, he, he said, oh, I'm the same as I was before I died. It's not like he's in a fresh Ooh. new body. But, okay. but I, I don't know. I don't know. Because is that true? Or is that just what he's kind of postulating here? That's got to go on a new open question here. I'm oh, going to add that to the list. I'm honored. Um, is Harry still terminally ill? Because yeah, as you say, he's the, he he was the same before. That means that he has that same uh, right. terminal I illness. I don't remember the illness. I think it was a made up one for the show. Yeah, but it was one that he. I think he said like within a year or something like that. It was not a mm-hmm. long time. I can't remember all. what episode that was. Too, it's going to be hard to go back unless somebody somebody out there in listener land write in and let us know. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a good good question to what where are we at with Harry and what can this Harry do with us? Right, and uh, yeah, Salvor postulates that he's a clone. She's just like, oh, you know, Callie cloned you. That's obvious answer. You know, duh. The irony is not lost on me. He says, <laughs> <laughs> and I think we. I was uh, chatting with I think it was uh, DJ Miwa. We were uh, on the Discord talking about that, 
that, uh, you know, as empire and foundation are moving closer and closer to each other, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a great symmetry. It's great poetry. Yep. Um, and as you say, as Har- Harry says, you know, it, the irony is not lost on him even to that level. Yeah. Uh, people do love to kneel says Harry, which made me think of your comments about the book Sapiens. You got to have something to connect you. And sometimes that's a religion. And in this case, yes. There you go. The Church of Selden. Yep. Uh, And I'm really curious if they're going to dig deeper at all on what are what's next for the foundation, what's beyond the religious phase. Yeah, we know there's something else that will replace it, but what? Yeah, and I think the book readers probably know, but they can't tell us without spoiling anything. Right. So, right. Um, and then I think um, two two last comments on this. One, who doesn't love a good spaceship crash on a planet? Right. It's such a it's a good here's, time. Here's a big lofty yeah. thing flying around the universe, and it's just so mundane to crash into a bunch of dirt and rocks and trees. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I got a lot of uh, Star Trek Generations vibes from this scene. Uh, those who know, know uh, when the Enterprise uh, D, I believe it's the Enterprise D, crashes uh, onto a planet surface. It's a really exciting thing. And it just gave me the visuals on this one just gave me a lot of the same vibes. So Nice. Yeah, um, I haven't seen much Star Trek, but I hear good things. <laughs> that was a good. I think Generations is my favorite movie of all the, all the movies. Okay. Um, is that with the original series mm-hmm. character the original okay. yeah in, 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 in contemporaneous in the, from oh, okay. the show timeline it's not one of these jump forwards nice. or reboots or something like that so okay and then i thought the last thing i wanted to point out with the uh airlock and salvor and gale uh, all of that going on of goings ons of, of salvor leaving the ship there were certain little key scenes of them working the controls or you know oh the the landing thing isn't working so i'll use the airlock thing instead all of that is good foreshadowing for this episode. So they've they've walked us around the ship. They've showed us certain key places and certain key controls so that later when that comes back around, when the Mentalics show up, we're already introduced to what's going on there. So we're clued in and we feel like right. we're, um, you know, that we're, we're understanding things at, at a better level. And I just think that that's just good good television writing when you can foreshadow those things and and weave that into the story so that you, when you do, when it does come around, you're like, Oh, okay. I know about that. I remember that. That was good. So, yeah, I think that's right. On Trantor, the Banyan tree garden hosts another secret meeting. Markley reports that he found nothing about the assassination attempt or the death of Sarath's family members. Sarath has the idea of getting into Day's bedchamber to find out what happened in the assassination attempt. Rue worries about her offering herself today, but Sarath insists that the shy girl she was died with the rest of her family. You don't like me offering my young, dimpled flesh for information. Meanwhile, <laughs> what's Rue doing right now? Exactly. It's not even it's not even in the past. It's right now. It's not like, well, wisdom has taught me that it's not worth it. It's okay. Yeah. Just no. you shouldn't do that. Me, it's yeah, fine. Exactly. You shouldn't do that. Yes, you know, the young the young princeling, the young, the young innocent. She is not innocent and she is not above No. She's an Esther character, isn't she? An Esther character. Say more. A biblical Esther character uh, from, okay. from the Purim story. The Purim right. spiel. If you know, you know. 
Uh, you know, it's it's the uh, <laughs> I know a little bit. We have to don't we have to make uh, outdoor shelter things for that? Oh, that's that's Sukkot. You're oh, on the right, wrong right. holiday. Oh, okay. You're on the wrong Sorry. holiday. <laughs> uh, Purim is the holiday that celebrates the scroll of Esther, Esther story, in which the uh, the Jews were being persecuted by a uh, a member of the I believe it was a member of the court of the king at the time. So Esther works her way into the king's intimate circle, and then becomes Queen Esther, and gets the guy who was going to kill the Jewish population killed himself. I, th- I think you just solved part of the, <laughs> the plot mystery of the show this season. <laughs> this is an extremely Esther story. It sounds it is. perfectly it lifted, is. one for one. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Okay, cool. I, I've you got some internet points riding on that theory. I've been brushing up on my biblical history because we're covering good omens and I got I to gotta have all the, the bits to bring in. Good for you. Uh, oh, so you guys are going to do a one shot on that. That's right. We're right. doing a one shot. We're recording nice. it tomorrow, actually. Awesome. That's fun. Yeah. It's nice to have like a little family. We can just yeah. sort of podcast when, yeah. with, with everyone when we can. Um, but he, I, I would not put it past Goyer and his writers to be rummaging around in all of these various histories. I mean, we've got the Bhagavad Gita here. We might as well bring in some monotheism, you know, mm-hmm. of, of various flavors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. There's and what's more stories out there. What was it? Wasn't it um, uh, Andor writer Tony Gilroy, who basically said the stories are there in history. Just look for them. Yeah. And there's a I think it's Robin Laws, who's a game designer. And he's I I can't remember the quote exactly, but he just says, you know, don't don't invent crazy new worlds, you know, and for all your games, just look at human history. It's wild and wacky. It's Full of crazy stuff. So, yeah, A a lot of people doing crazy stuff out there. Um, and it seems like Rue really does care for Sarah, like very deeply. I agree. And she's, she's very wounded yeah. that, that Sarah is wounded. And I think that comment of, of her showing concern, even though Sarah might be like, look, I'm not a little kid anymore. It's cool. Um, you know, Rue does have a very familial, familial, um, care and consideration. You know, who else is going to look after her if she doesn't? Yes. You don't have any family left. So, also, I realized another connection with Esther, which is that the previous queen was at least quietly disappeared, perhaps killed. It's debatable mm-hmm. because she was not obedient. Ooh. And that's how Esther worked her way in. And okay. she pretended to be obedient to get everything happening. And I'm thinking that is very like Sarah's family being killed. Because they wouldn't agree to this alliance. And I think you need to. She's in here. Go on. Oh, wow. You're taking it even to the next step. Hmm. She's in here pretending to be this. I guess she's not pretending to be obedient now, but look at the way she came into the bedroom. I guess we'll sure. get there. But uh, yeah, it's it was very like, oh, my king, my I emperor. Think, I think you need to get on the um, the Reddits with Goyer there and and. Uh, Start poking him, seeing if, uh, <laughs> if if this is a correct theory or not. He does he does pay attention to a lot of the okay. popular media that's out there and listening to how people are, which is right. I think one of the nice things I, I appreciate about his show running is is that uh, he's going to make the show he's going to make, but he's not going to do it in a vacuum. He's, sure, he's 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 sensing and feeling what's going on in the fandom so that um, he can incorporate that in future. Hey, thanks, David Goyer. All right. Day tells Demerzel that Sarath has asked to copulate. <laughs> Demerzel gasses him up and tells him to think of her. 
Sarath arrives and turns on the charm while examining the room for information about the assassination attempt. After Day clumsily tries to take control of the consummation, the two trade accusations of assassination and agree to be married. This got like really sparky fast. <laughs> like by I the really end of it, they were, it was so good. It was so one good. of the best scenes this season so far I because think so. It, it had so much exposition, but it was also so funny. Mm-hmm. Like the oh, that's my toe. That you know this whole thing of oh, I feel a fool. You know, like the, she's putting on such an act with him. Yeah, right, right, right. And then by the end, they're just screaming at each other. And like, yeah. if you look at the at the yeah. actors, their teeth are bared, and they're just screaming full volume. About to pop a blood vessel. I'm it's, telling yeah, you, it's, it's not good. It's not. Can good. you imagine being, you know, this, you know, young actor, and you know, you're you're still early in your career, and here you are screaming at the top of your lungs at Lee Pace, and who's screaming right. back at yeah. you? That's yeah. got to be a wild experience. But of course, Lee Pace delivers the line of the episode here. Do you what? Would you like to read it? I see you wrote it down at the end. Uh, the one of the oh, she suspects I killed her family. I had to accuse her of trying to kill me. It got heated. We're engaged. Hmm. Best wishes. <laughs> the capper was Demerzel's. That killed like, me. Oh, best wishes. <laughs> right, right. I really think that Demerzel is up to something after, yeah. especially after this scene. I mean, I think that she is really. You know, think of me, this this really just gassing him up and even combine it with the way she was doing that, like fake voice while they were having sex in mm-hmm. the first episode. Mm-hmm. This very aggressive attempt to please him, aggressive yeah. attempt to make him to feel manly and superior and and like a great lover. And it's just I really think that she is just trying to get her him all the way in her court. And then do something crazy. I am coming around to thinking that definitely, it's definitely the case that Demerzel has been grooming this day. Yes. Or at, at some point, she's been actively grooming and shaping him in some way. Yep. To what ends, I still don't know what her ends are, but uh, I actually posted this on our Discord today. I was... Um, yeah, Rocky Zim and I were chatting on the Discord, and uh, I think I was positing this, that what she's doing is she's doing her programming. Like, you know, we think of her, you know, oh, is she doing something nefarious? Is she trying to upend the empire or whatever? What if she's a robot who's actually fulfilling her function and her programming and you know what we know of that programming is is that you know the the well being or the the of the emp- of empire is her highest priority or, or what have you. So is she seeing something that has this empire going off course in a way, and she's trying to course correct? And then what that looks like is something nefarious to us in this time scale, because if she has perfect memory and perfect historical vision and a deep programming. And I think in season one, they even talked about, there was a scene where she was talking to Cleon the first uh, and he was saying, oh, they've, they really got you busy these days. And she's saying, oh yeah, they're really trying to refine my programming. What if she's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing? And it only looks nefarious to us at this time scale. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just so different from the previous generation Demerzel that yeah. I, I have to be suspicious. 
But then when she's talking to Dusk later, she's just her normal demoiselle. So it, with this day, she's a little bit different. And and this day is very much, he needs his robot mommy and he needs the, you know, that. It's pretty gross. <laughs> it is kind of gross. It's really gross. And the, Somebody watched too much Game of Thrones, Demerzel. This The acting that Lee Pace is doing with these different days, even in this scene where he has to flashback to be the 16th, it is, um, yep. to be with Rue. Amazing to play the same guy, but these nuanced and faceted versions. And this version, he's foppy haired, he's got an earring, he's kind of a dude, you know, and whatever. Right. right. But he is also wicked smart, and he figures out Sarah's plot really quickly here. Right. Right. He's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, you don't really want to copulate with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of past day. We then see a scene of 30 years earlier where when Dusk was day and having a romance with Rue. We then see it's a recording that Rue and Dusk are watching. She asks to see their meeting and says she doesn't remember anything from the moment he took her hand. Rue tells Dusk that she does not feel where the memory is missing. It's as if it never existed. They discuss the ability of Empire to erase regrets, which gets Dusk thinking. Really great way to educate us about memory and to get into this whole topic of memory without being expositive, without doing some sort of, you know, unnatural uh, exposition and information dump. It's really, really nicely done, I think. I agree. I agree. This was nice. And I love the way Dusk, the actor, is is portraying this slow change of realization of mm-hmm. are people altering my memories? Do I actually know this? And we saw a similar thing when Sarath was talking about, well, would you even know if you were killed mm-hmm. uh, with day? So they're all oh, starting right. to question the nature of their reality in a very Westworld way. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and it makes me think about the, the assassination attempt, you know, if it was successful, would anybody know other than right. Dozel, right? Who's, right. who's keeping, things pointed in the right right direction. She would order everything to be taken care of. But it makes an interesting point about the assassins because if the assassins, whoever sent them, right? It does, the assassins don't care. They're right. just trying to kill the target. But who sent them there, do they know that there's all these backup clones? And if so, is this just a test? Did they, were they really trying to hurt or were they just trying to test the system? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I'm, I guess I put it's Attack on, of the Clones. Get my roll of tinfoil out. I got to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it kind of weird to watch yourself on the, if you don't have a memory of it? Well, if you don't have a memory of it, I think it makes it less weird. I'll be honest. I okay. think, I right. think that there makes it less weird because it's like you're one level removed. It is weird to watch yourself. It reminds me of The Office. There's like this whole bit comedy bit where they're doing a house tour and they go into the bedroom and. Uh, the the woman in the couple is like Michael. I told you to put that away, and like puts a camera away. <laughs> That's on a tripod, right? Uh, yeah, it's very like why. And also, I was thinking about this. Somebody had to edit this because they said it was compiled from multiple lenses. Yeah. So somebody in IT at the Empire. Well, is, is it going the through dude saying, in the memoriam? Yeah, is it that guy? Is that yeah. the only guy? I mean, he can't possibly do it all by himself. I'm sure Oof. there's other employees. 
I, I would hope so. I'm he, sure. That, I'm sure. D- that dude's got to have a real messed up mind if, that, <laughs> if he's the and, only and one he's doing like, that. Yeah, you really get Dusk's ass better at this angle. So he's just <laughs> editing <laughs> editing these videos. <laughs> he runs this this back oh, alley man. video store. <laughs> That's crazy. That is kind of crazy. But yeah, this this uh, also this idea of being able to trust your memories as well as confronting memories that you know, might generate emotions of regret or embarrassment. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting thing. Rue is a character, I, I might have mentioned this before, who really strikes me as she knows who she is and she knows yep. her power and she knows how to use everything she got. She really owns herself. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. but how do you own yourself? Well, you have memory. And you know what worked in certain situations and didn't work. You understand how your right. own emotions are going to respond in, in any given situation. And you can to, that gives you the ability to master your emotions so that you don't get activated by somebody else's thing yeah. or something. And so um, she wants those regretful memories because that helps her learn, helps her sharpen her abilities. Since we've been told that Rue got her memories back, She's doing an awfully good job pretending like she didn't. Ooh. I wouldn't be able to tell if you didn't tell me before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would not want to play poker with Rue. And do you think that Rue is genuinely into this dusk? Or do you think that she is trying to get information <laughs> no. out of the... Okay. Okay. I, I don't know. Because they did seem to have some chemistry right off the bat. She hasn't, she hasn't talked smack about him. I think that she's been more down on the current day on this- seventeen. This current dusk is funny. He's um, he in he's got his, his own old, charm. It is old charm. He's a little bit like uh, our friend from the White Lotus. The, he's like a sexy grandpa, right? Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Um, oh no, we. I don't know if he's our friend anymore. I think okay. I think I brought this up on another podcast, but unfortunately. Uh, that actor from the White Lotus has been accused of some unsavory business on set yeah, that is right. in line with that character that he played. Yeah, so, there you um, go. but yes, it, I I see. I don't think I don't think this dusk is as, as harassy. I think that this dusk is he's he's very oily, more charming. He's very he's like trying to just smooth and put on the moves sure, and just be sure. all sensuous and whatnot. But, uh, but I I think this is a more consensual old man than the other one. Okay, even though you know, that he controls the fate of the the universe well, with sure, a, you know, a sure, two-finger yeah. twist of his hand. Yeah. Um but you know when he was younger, he was, you know, doing all the he was a little bit suaver, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, he I liked I really was charmed by their little interaction where she was like he was like, "Oh, well, what do you do to get men's attentions?" I don't look up for my game. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That very, was good. That good. was some good banter. Yeah. And it was a great dissolve going right from the bedroom with uh, our current day and Sarah right. uh, to um, this, the 16th and Rue uh, 30 years earlier running mm-hmm. into the room the same way. So, all right. I'm going really... to say one thing, though, here, okay. which is that knowing how technology has developed and how every time someone tries to do something like a connect or any other kind of thing that sees your motions and tries to do things off of it. Uh-huh. There is no way that that will ever work. What he did with just swiping his fingers in the air and having <laughs> it go back in time to the exact moment he wants. I could just see he's like, Don, come in here. The remote's not working. This, it's it's not going to work. I just I don't buy that we're ever going to have this technology because we are too stupid to use it. 
we we as Gen Xers we had to program our parents VCRs. And oh, you don't think we as millennials have done many? No, no, you many, had to do many, it too. many tech support things. Many boy, times. oh boy, that's our main job, I think. Yes, uh, it, and it was, it's always frustrating. And and but we started we started back then with uh, VCRs sure. and yeah. answering machines. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's only gotten worse because we've had, you know, windows and I know, uh, I, know. Know, I know, cell phones, the millennials. We lived through it all. We lived yeah, from, we did. from Nokia to iPhone. Right. From the, um, what was the T9 texting or whatever? Tick, 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 yeah. tick, when you have to press the keys multiple times. Yep. All right, David, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll resume the episode. And we're back. In the forest, Salver finds the Watcher, who turns out to be Hugo. He says that he got an alert from the beggar that Salver was going into cryo, and he set himself to go into cryo and wait for her awakening. He then followed her into the system and got to Ignis just before her. David, did you buy this before it was revealed? I was... Yes, yes, I I have to admit. I did too. (laughs) I I I got got. Because he was so convincing, it seemed so. Oh, okay, yeah, right. That's very science fictiony. Yeah, he could have done that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I gotta got say me. though, what, just even having watched season one pretty recently, uh-huh. I almost completely forgot who he was by now. Oh, okay. They had to remind me. <laughs> right. It came back, but I was like, man, this was such a character I didn't care about. That was, oh, I mean, really? that was a big part of season one. The issues was mm. hard to care about. I think the term in the spotlight, it was kind of rough. Okay. Yeah, they. I, I know from, well, I know, I don't know. I've heard that uh, they had. They did have a lot of um, COVID production issues that really threw them off their game in a lot right. of ways. So. But the term in the spotlight in this season is a lot better. So we're Much, we're all good yeah. now. We're all we're good, good now. We're, we're having fun. Um, I did buy it too. I mean, part of it is just that you have somebody based on the memories of someone, it's going to be more accurate than just a regular pretender. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we were fooled just like Salver Harden, and that's why it uh, it worked. It worked yeah. on her, it worked on us. Um, so the premise of psychohistory is that the future is not yet set, which is, so that's right, that's what we're talking about here with psychohistory, right? But then our counter proposition is, is that Gail is prescient. Right. And she has somehow the ability to see and experience the future. Okay. So what is, what are we doing here? What is Goyer doing here? It's a, it's, it's a rhetorical question, I guess, in some ways, because I don't think we're going to get an answer to that, but it's, we keep doing this thing of do, do individuals matter? Does love matter? Does attraction matter? Or, or is that just all completely meaningless in the in the great expanse of numbers that are? I think it has to matter, and your math is bad if it doesn't account for it. And then, how do you account for being able to be prescient and look into the future? Right. Yeah. That. I mean, that that is a genuine red flag, and I excuse Harry for not predicting that. But, uh, <laughs> right. Let's just read this scene so we could talk about Gail and Harry more. On the beggar, Harry apologizes to Gail about his callousness about her visions. 
He, he tells Gail that psychohistory is premised on the future being alterable, but cautions her against trying to save Salver. He emphasizes that Salver is his granddaughter and says he would like to think he would have done things differently if he knew an embryo existed. Harry then asks Gail to hide the Prime Radiant and not tell him where she's putting it. Salver then arrives at the ship with Hugo, but Hugo's height and weight being off lead Harry to determine that this is not him. As the ship belonged to Hugo, Harry reassigns the ship to Hugo's DNA, which causes the imposter to reveal himself and begin the attack on the beggar. The imposter and his companions unthink the minds of the crew. Yeah, so I got a little ahead of myself there with the the premise of the psychohistory stuff. Um, really, this is a pretty big scene. A lot of pivotal stuff happens here. I mean, this is when we learn that Harry is a, a grandfather. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, Salvador. I guess we always knew, but we nobody ever get, put it together. No, yeah, <laughs> it's like we knew, but it, but yeah, it was like, oh yeah, this is you know, and and you really see Harry trying to you know change his and soften his attitudes yeah. in a lot yeah. of ways. So did and, you and, uh, find it a little bit of a ripoff of the Dune 2021 sound effect when they unthink the mind and they have the yeah. under they have the lower voice in there too with it? I mean, it's a cool effect, but I was like, oh, you just copied Dune. That was the same thing. Yeah. When pa is talking and and uh, at, the, at the temple later, it was right. very much uh, apparent that there's a sort of yeah voice thing yeah. going on. And again. Great. I, lo I love I love these two different intellectual genres or not uh, genres, but these two stories, these two literary stories talking back and forth to each other across yeah. time space. So, you know what I, I would have done instead it. as someone mm. who has played around with vocal effects, I would have reversed the words going in. So you had this like lead in. Wait, so you would have you would have had the actors speak backwards and then. No, I would have had the actors speak normally and okay. then I would have taken the audio reverse just the beginnings of the words put a uh -huh. lot of reverb on them and then put it slightly offset so that it sounded like the words were being like preempted maybe i should maybe i should do yeah. this with, with an effect ready <laughs> ready i'm gonna say something right now and if i can't okay. figure out how to do it i'm gonna delete this whole section yeah, unthink their minds this is like when david goyer uh was trying to get uh lee pace to fight naked so, you know, he, he wrote the scene and then just let Lee Pace come to it. So I was sitting here listening to you the whole time going, you should do this. <laughs> yeah, right. There we go. Uh, any other thoughts on this scene? I think there was a lot here. This, yes, um, many thoughts. I, I mean, I like the airlock stuff that happens when, it, I mean, Harry was very clever there, right? And yes, you can see the gears turning in his head. That's, that's the great writing, right? Because you could feel like this is happening in real time. Like he's figuring out, okay, he's mm -hmm. slave to his DNA. I can make it test if he's actually Hugo. Right, right. And then that's when we cut to that scene and we see him. it's not Hugo. It, it, it's, right. it's a very instantaneous, so it's really nice editing, filmmaking, and storytelling all wrapped right. in one little one little quick turn. Yeah. So, so why did he tell Gail to hide the prime radio? We know later, of course, there are mentalics. They're going to be able to read the minds. They're going to be able to tell what it is, where it is, whatever. But Harry doesn't know that yet, right? Or does he? So this is what I'm thinking. Why would you, if 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 we were in the same position and we we both didn't know what we don't know, and you know, then I said to you, John, go hide the Prime Radiant. You still know where the Prime Radiant is. You could right. still be tortured, right. or they could still leverage me to you know and torture me to get you to reveal 
you know, right. something, even if they knew right. where the prime radiant was there or not there. So it doesn't make sense. So what it makes me think of is what does Harry know about Ignis and about these people? He was super suspicious right away. Right. Um, even though, yeah, granted, it's a weird situation. Um, he, I, I think he knows that there is, I think he knows something about these people and, and we don't know that he knows. I that. think so too. I yeah. think he heard Gail say the word mentalics mm. when she came out of it. And he went, okay, I know, I know where we're going and I know why. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's, he's, yeah, again, he knows a lot more than we, we think. He's also a very clever operator. He, he is. You know, yeah. he's, he figures this stuff out, um, you know, that he's doing the height, weight, mass thing. And then later he, he's, uh, the shadows, that Baal yeah. doesn't cast a shadow, yeah. you know, he's, he's very clever uh, in a very, tacticians he's very um uh the odyssey um what's his name the hero of the odyssey odysseus yeah (laughs) odysseus was very wily like this he could sniff these things out and and see through you know various plots and machinations so all right well let's move back to trantor where sarath reports her detective work to her team and rue tells her that memories are kept in the memoriam Sarath suggests Markley retrieve the memories of those who tended to Day's wounds, which he does. All right. So we have a new feature, the memoriam. Yes. Um, and we have a whole, yeah, we add a whole dimension to this whole memory question thing. And a cranky and, librarian, which I love. <laughs> Again, the, the humor is getting better, even outside of yes. Hober Mallow. We had Sarath and Day being really funny. We have this funny scene. Yeah, the yes. librarian. Yeah, I, I really like this. I hope everyone's keeping track of all these things. This is that was really <laughs> great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wait, what, you, what? Yeah, all the orders coming in, and yeah, everybody's yeah. pulling files and stuff. It was, it was very good. I think this whole memory thing is another big thesis element of the show. So we're talking about technology in some hand, in in some ways. We're talking about emotion and love in some ways. We're talking about. Um, corporeal life, you know, robots and and uh, clones and and people, and I think memory is this another big component. And and whatever thesis is being constructed for the show, I think this is a, obviously, uh, especially with this episode, this is a big chunk of that that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I did look up something a um, aslepium. Oh God, now I can't pronounce it. It's now something. my it's my it's what's that thing when the words and the sounds don't make uh, connections anymore? Oh, no, you're going to make me look up Ted Lasso stuff again. <laughs> oh, no. Um, anyway, <laughs> the the thing that they're talking about is the medical clinic where day was healed. A sleepium, a sleep. Oh, God, now it's doing it to me. Anyway, it's a healing temple that's located that, okay. that came from ancient Greece and in the wider sort of Hellenistic and Roman worlds. Yep. And it was there. They were dedicated to a who was the first doctor demigod and um apparently he was supposed to be so skilled that he you know people said that that he could even raise the dead so when wow when markley says oh i need the records from the aslepium um that's what that is that's the the clinic so i had to google that word and read the read the wikipedia article on it so okay interesting um I, I back to the humor too. I love that you know it's the, it, it's just two palace functionaries bantering about work. Oh God, the emperor wants this again. Are you kidding me? 
Yeah, yeah. It's very government worker doesn't want to do his job. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah, he's trying to run out the clock right now. And I, I guess he's really tired from editing all of Day's porn. <laughs> Did he's you find exhausted. what you needed earlier? Uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you? He comes out of the back room sweaty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my! Did you see his eyes when he was doing the little edit? They turned I into. Did little, not. Oh yeah, they're. He's doing it in his eyes. They 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 make oh. these little sort of uh, blue green like. Again, I don't buy this works. Through. I don't buy this works. I've seen my in laws with a Fire TV remote. <laughs> it um it's got to be an efficient way to do it though right you don't have screens oh let me get this over onto the other screen and whatever no you they just project it into the the back of your retinas and you know you can edit really fast so all right dusk asks demerzel about the memory alteration policy demerzel tells him that day recently changed the policy to only allow day to alter the memories of any of the cleons because of his suspicions Demerzel also insists that their memories are preserved in the memoriam and in her inalterable memory. She also tells him that her loyalty is to Empire, not only Day. And I think you said it right, which is this is a different Demerzel than she's been portraying with Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very her affect different. is very different. It's yeah. a lot closer to what we saw in season one. She's not playing robot mommy. To a, uh, you know, even Bell Rios uh, says this day, like this particular dude, my allegiance is to Empire, to the Cleonic dynasty, right, uh, right, to the genetic dynasty. But this guy, this guy right here, I don't know about him. And and even Dawn says something. Yeah, you we corrected your genetic defect, but your habits are still bad. Hmm. Uh, Which puts some light on when they talk to to Cleon the first in a little bit. Right. Right, yeah, they're they're all nervous that they're not good enough. They all have these inferiority <laughs> complexes now. So I don't know if you noticed how they were lighting Lady Demerzel in this scene, but she's really deep in shadows, and there's this beautiful little arc, a little crescent of light. And just from a visual storytelling languagey thing to me, mm-hmm. this is signaling that maybe Lady D is not nefarious but her motives or what she's doing is in shadow this is to me a very strong visual cue that there are things going on with her that we are yet to be privy to i think that's absolutely true whether it's good or bad yeah and it's a beautiful way of visually showing us that right giving this very ominous look to her right so definitely yeah, and, and this idea that Rue is actually educating Empire is, uh, you know, educating Dusk is great. Like, she really clued him into a whole bunch of stuff to be asking these right. questions. Rue's very smart, and I think Cleon is smart, but not as smart as he thinks he is. That I, This is what I'm really interested to see. Uh, are they on top of Dominion? Like, have they figured out Dominion? Or, you know, who's who's on top in this game? It's, who's, we're who's back in the Watchmen. More? You're not in here with I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. Yes. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Team Dominion reviews the footage of Day's healing and discover Demerzel is a robot with black blood. They freak the F out. <laughs> well, scene. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. And and also we knew earlier that. Sarath probably didn't know what Demerzel was because she asked, oh, I guess she has her own cloning facility. 
oh, she has her own arrangements. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> but this really cements it. And I guess they it is common knowledge that the Empire used to have robots and that that yes. is gone. That no, something the- terrible happened. No, the and and they do explain this in season one, so this isn't necessarily a spoiler. Um, and this goes back to Asimov's uh, connected timeline, um, all of the robot stuff. The there was a big war with the robots, right, 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 yeah. And but but they worked for Empire first, right? No, oh, I think no, I don't think that they were connected to Empire in that way. Didn't I think she say in this the, one, Empire used to have robotic servants or something like that? She well, maybe there was a whole. Line. Maybe there was a whole uh, robotic uh, culture and, and civilization to some degree, and then there, you know, maybe hmm. you know there could be. Um, you know, yeah, I knew there was a war, but I thought it was more starting as an uprising and then becoming mm. a full out war. No, I think I think somebody who read the who who's read all the books would have to write in to, to educate right. us on this. Right I mean, in, I know please. we could go read the wikis, but you know, it's not. I as will fun. not because that's dangerous. It is very dangerous. So. Uh, but yeah, they, they really did freak out when they saw her. Now, this goes back to episode four and a picture that I posted in the discord today of, uh, of that figure, um, underneath the solar system of a map that looks like the solar system. The head of that figure really looks like Demerzel's head in this recording to me. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Okay. Dusk and Dawn go to the Principium to see Cleon the First, or at least a projection of him. After they complete a summoning ritual, mm-hmm. Cleon the First being tells them that if they squabble amongst each other, they dishonor his memory. He is not pleased that they're complaining about day. Dusk and Dawn then go to the memoriam to compare their memory sizes with the other Cleons. <laughs> the way that you make that you wrote that makes it. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's 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 just because of this episode. That's what yeah, your mind it's is. perfect. It's perfect. Uh, well, Dusk's memory size is in line with the other Cleons. Mostly uh, Cleon the first had a memory almost three times the size of the others. Boy, he didn't do his clones <laughs> kindly. <laughs> Boy, we got to get Dusk, out of the gutter here. Dusk is feeling very inferior <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And then, of course, He's we got go his back tape to measure out. Yep, that's right. We great. even go back to uh, Day in bed with Sarath, and uh, he's not as excited <laughs> for the encounter. Right. So, you know, it's there's a lot of manhood question questioning of manhood going on in this episode. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So Cleon the first apparently had a well hung memory. What do you think about that? <laughs> bad, John. You're bad. Good, but very funny. Very funny, <laughs> but bad. Leave it in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I loved this ritual. It was very, you know, they had to say the right words and the right incantations and and do the right stuff to speak to their god in in some way. Um, you know, we we live on because of you and and stuff. That was just. Uh, Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I, I really enjoyed this whole scene. Yeah, it was it was really kind of creepy the way that they were mm-hmm. worshiping this guy who was just a man, right? He's just mm-hmm. a human being. He's three, he he's two and a half times the man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I I really liked the discourse between Dawn and Dusk too. You know, Dawn's going, "Oh, well, he lived a fuller life, right?" And Dusk goes, "Sure, but that much more." <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, a little unbelievable, right? I looked up the word cataphils and I couldn't find any references to it because uh, he says he's got 213 cataphils. 
and a catafil actually, do you know, like on a, have you ever seen like a, a, you have seen this and I'm just trying to describe it like on a kind of a fir tree thing, like where a branch would be rather than bare bark. There's a uh, tiny little tiny leaves that are all layered over each other, like a little dragon scale okay. um, like that. That's what a catafil is, is one of these shield leaves. Okay, and, interesting. Uh, according according to the wikis, so I couldn't figure out what, how catafils relates to memories or um, you know. Well, we don't really measure memories like this yet, do we? No, so we don't. So I guess they've just picked something. Um, I liked to that dusk gets around to the idea that the glass is not half full here, but half empty. Um, and it's not that he was special, but that something is weird is happening to us. Because Day was just ready, or Dawn yeah. was ready just to dismiss it, like, oh, you know, dude was living large. Right. But Dusk is like, right. no, 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 no. We are, what's happening to us that we're not like that? As opposed yeah. to, oh, well, that dude was just special. Yeah, I I kind of think there's been a long-term scheme by maybe Demerzel, mm-hmm. maybe Cleon and Demerzel, you know? It's, it's something that's controlling them right. by taking away certain memories. Right. There's some sort of pruning happening on a on a regular basis or something, keeping them in line. Right. We know they get regular memory audits. Right. Is this all? Yeah. Right. You could be doing the pruning then. So. Right. And they would never know. They would just not know. So this is really puts a lot of power into Demerzel's hands and her programming. And God, you hope that her programming doesn't go wrong because she's the only constant in this in this whole operation. Right. So. Yeah. Pretty scary. I love Dawn trying to comfort Dusk with an arm on it. He's like, don't worry, old man. You know, it's yeah. cool. And then when Sorry, he's speaking, Grandpa. when he's speaking to um, to uh, earlier, when he's speaking, or yeah, uh, when he's speaking to um, Keeper Yarmouth, uh, he's like, "You can do it, man." Like, comma, man. <laughs> you know, like it's okay, dude. Like, you got this handled. Yeah. So, oh, fun chemistry here. Again, the writing has just taken a, a level up the last couple episodes, and I, yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Daddy Cleon wasn't having it either with these squabbling no, little children. No, he was ready to shut them down. He basically <laughs> said, The fuck did you wake me up for? That's what he just said. <laughs> I'm here to give you what you need, nothing more. Uh, yeah. And, and he, what does he say? He also says something, uh, to the effect all of our, you know, all, I I am well aware of my predilection. He doesn't say this, this is me paraphrasing, but you know, of, of all of my various facets, you know, and so, you know, all of this stuff is accounted for, even though Dawn or Dusk is trying to say, but, 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 but he's genetically drifted without saying he's genetically drifted. Right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, this dancing around what was actually happening. Pretty, pretty scary. Pretty, so, pretty scary for them. Uh, Emperor Algren, who was um, who was uh, um, executed for being a traitor. Uh huh. This this you know painting that was on the the wall right, in the memoriam. Right. So I don't know how much that is foreshadowing, or if it's just something to give Dusk something to react to or if this is going to show up later but this whole idea that a betrayer a traitor you know what what are they what is the what is the show telling us here why are you bringing those concepts forward yeah i did like the concept he kind of put forward which was you'd rather be remembered as a traitor than not at all Mm. yeah you'd rather not fade to history interesting interesting 
or or is is yeah is somebody going to get axed for being a traitor of some kind we we did lose a traitor before in the sense of the dawn from last season so yeah all right let's head back to ignis the crew of the beggar regains consciousness and follows whispers to Telumbond, seventh incarnation of pa'a uh, harry notices there is no shadow of the goddess then the adult version of Telumbon appears, revealing it was just a projection. She introduces her group as Mentalics, who are refugees from various planets. She calls Gale and Salver Mentalics, too, based on their ability to hear the whispers. While Bond can read their minds, she says Harry's resurrection is very murky. After the crew leaves, Bond discusses the Prime Radiant with her team and announces her desire to break the Prime Radiant and prevent a second foundation. So episode five, just throwing a huge spanner in the works here. <laughs> this right. is just like, right. whoa, talk about like just dumping out all the Legos on the table and saying, OK, here we go. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's Harry, Harry wins the plan. Harry, Vault Harry's plan could go well. I was calling him Harry one, but I don't know if that's I don't know if that's yeah, right. Vault Harry. But yeah. Vault Harry, Vault Harry's plan could go perfectly well. And the whole plan could be botched because of these mentalics. Screwing yeah. up the second foundation. Right. Because these these people are unaccounted for. Uh, right. Um, in, in some way. But yeah, they're okay. So the mentalics stuff and the second foundation stuff are very booky things. And they're from later books as well. Um, and they're don't go Googling for questions about this stuff. Right. Because you're going to get spoiled hard. Yeah. I know enough to know that these things exist within the books, but I don't know enough to understand the jazz that they're playing here with that sort of inspiration versus adaptation question. Right. Uh, but mentalics and stuff is, is uh, comes much later and is very important to things. And it's, it's big. Yeah. It is big stuff to bring it at this level of the show. So well, if you're doing eight seasons, it's pretty early. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, I still don't buy that this is an eight season show, but I don't know. Convince me. Hey, I would love for Apple to actually put their money where their mouth is in the sense of you know, but keep but it rolling. Do we need eight seasons? That's my question. Because yeah, getting eight him. seasons I'll is one him. thing. Needing eight him. seasons is another. <laughs> Uh, you know, and and if we do see shift and drift, and we we see different actors coming in, and and that is all handled really well, I would love to take it. Uh, okay, full eight. That's so, fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm down for uh, that. As long as I get ten seasons of Wheel of Time, which is not happening. But. <laughs> no, at least I don't that has that... fourteen books to go on. <sighs> yeah, oh, boy. Yeah, that's a lot. I would. Do, have they said Wheel of Time? How much? What they're eight aiming seasons. for? Eight seasons as well. That's the all plan. Right. Yeah. All right. Which people are like, if you're going to do every two years, that's not going to work out very well. Oh, yeah. It's going to be we're going to be podcasting into our old age. Uh, yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. This uh, I also noticed that this um, this whole thing with the mentalics gives us the title for the episode, the the sighted and the scene. So they, mm -hmm. they talk about having, you know, the sight uh, or and having all of your um, uh, senses. So, you know, and, and being seen, right, you know, Gail being seen, not being seen by her God and, you know, uh, but being able to see the math and see the future. So I thought that's a nice little play in the title. So, right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Harry can't hear the whistle. I know we talked about this early up at the top, 
Um, yeah, I don't think you can hear, and I think it's just he's not a mentalic. It doesn't prove or disprove he's a human. Okay, all right. So we're not That's worried about it. whether it's a robot or a clone or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Um, I loved the location here, going up the rock steps and being in this big temple. I love being out on practical sets like this. It's it just yeah, makes that was very cool. Show much more visually rich and, and interesting. And when the hologram is supposed to have flaws, that makes it more believable as CG, right? Right, right. Your you don't incarnation have to do the shadow because it's supposed to look bad. <laughs> right, exactly. Your incarnation is not very carnate. <laughs> Fun little zinger there that That's he threw. Good. Especially from someone who used to be a projection and is now suddenly mm, incarnate. Very true. Very yes, that is rich coming from him, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so John, do not worship children. It is not good for them. That's that's probably true. I think it's very good true. That's that was really good wisdom. I was like, yeah. And you think I should I should bow down to my daughter when I leave this room? No, no. (laughs) Do not do that. Do not. They they already think they're little gods. So they do, and they are. They're (laughs) little angels. Anyway, (laughs) don't just don't worship them. Okay. Don't lay things at their feet. Don't don't lay that. Fair enough. Um, and she really reminded me, the actress who played this uh, part really reminded me of the Oracle from the first Matrix. Okay. You know, just in that that, very wise, wise and old, you know, uh, you know, can see far and seen a lot of people do a lot of foolish things. So that's why Salver was bending spoons in the Yes, exactly. That was Salver. That makes a lot more sense to me now. (laughs) Um, so... No second foundation, break the the prime radiant. It doesn't seem like she's going to succeed in one of those things, at least. Mm-hmm. I think I think maybe she breaks the fa- the prime radiant. I don't know, but I yeah. I would be disappointed if she did break it because it's been such an interesting part of this show, such a yeah. unique part of this universe. I would I would not like it if she did break it. I was wondering, given the flashback for the mule scene, the flash forward, sorry, not the flashback, but the flash forwards earlier with the mule and your mentalics and all of that, I am, I think the natural, I I don't think this is anything special. I'm not using any of my special mentalic abilities here. I just (laughs) think that the the logical thing is, is that they somehow woo these people to their cause. Okay. So. I think that's probably right. Question is, do they get to destroy the Prime Radiant before that? Because mm. it could be true that the second foundation happens without the Prime Radiant. Yeah. And what would that do to the superpositioned, uh, the quantum It would create one. two very distinct foundations. It okay. would prevent them from collaborating, right? Mm. Interesting. There's some interesting possibilities know. there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff. New open questions, David. Just is is Harry still terminally ill? I mean, obviously, you know, open questions are, you know, the, who are the mentalics? What do they want? I mean, like that's that's just right. Obvious, obvious plot, plot questions. Gonna, yeah, track. Anything that you uh, want to add to the list based on what we had here? How many cataphils are each of the Cleons? <laughs> you know, I don't know. No, two and a half times more than you or I've got. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think that's it for me. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll go to listener feedback.
we're back. David, we've got some listener feedback. It's just Marilyn. Uh, nobody else. Uh, <laughs> because we're recording this the day after, and Marilyn happened to write in right after we recorded our episode four podcast. So why don't you read us her emails? Okay. Uh, <laughs> before we before we do that, I, I do want to say uh, empire at thelorehounds.com. And please send us your emails, send us your thoughts, your theories. Um, it's fun to be, you know, talking it out into the microphones. But yeah, um, let us know what you're thinking. Are you enjoying the show even? Is this, you know, w- what's going on out there in the, in the listener land? Uh, drop us a note. Okay. Marilyn says, hello, Lorehounds. Another email with multiple thoughts for you. The quote, never let your sense of morals prevent you from doing what is right, comes right from the books, along with a quote about violence being the last resort of the incompetent. I know that the latter one was attributed to Salve or Harden. Actually, I think both of them are, but I'm not sure about the morals one. Okay. So, you know, again, in, in uh, with Bell Rios and the Patrician in, in episode four, there was a bunch of stuff right out of the book. So I think they're doing a this, you know, the, the overall story is being very um, generically inspired by the books, but yet Goyer's going through and they're pulling specific little bits and pieces to make sure that the flavor and the DNA is all all mixed together. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, you talked about the stories of great men or a savior. The, this theme was not as prominent in the books. It was clear that there were thousands of people working to put the plan in place. Yeah, I, I very much remember this from the books. Mm-hmm. Um, to enact it and to maintain it, both before they left Trantor and after. The individuals usually came forth at the crisis points. I expect that that doesn't translate well into the visual medium, though, and it's easier to tell stories about specific people than nameless groups of them. Mm, yeah, I, I think that... I could see merits of both of them. I think that it's easier to follow a TV show when there are faces put to these movements rather than groups. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to empathize with these people when it's in smaller settings. But yeah, I could see the advantages of exploring that more in a group setting in books. And I think without getting really into the books, I just remember too the you know the way that the vault opened and the way that the vault worked and the whole operations of the foundation, as Marilyn was saying, um, it was a much bigger thing and more people were involved. And uh, yeah. it, it was uh, it was almost like a time clock thing. They kind of knew when th- certain things were going to happen and whatnot. Right. There was a there was a lot more operational aspects to the foundation. And the, right. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. The second crisis is here and we got to <laughs> deal with it right now. And, right. This yeah. giant vault digging itself into the ground and opening up. Yeah. yeah, it was. But that's not very exciting for a TV show. No, 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 no. So they've got to, they've definitely got to, to change some things up. Um, Marilyn continues, surprised that the beggar had such conventionally familiar seatbelt designs. Well, you know, certain <laughs> things are timeless. Yeah. And I actually like the swearing. Oh, she likes to swear. Uh, she says, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's bring that in. There was one line that really bothered me this episode. Fuck you for that. Like, come on. Come on. That just that just took me right out of it. I was like, did, did, was that the line? Was that the line, Goyer? The one that did it for me was a couple of beers. That could that's your cu- three, you know, uh, whatever it was, uh, uh, three kilos. That's a couple of beers. Well, use, use her South African accent. A couple of beers. A couple of beers. Um yeah, like, can you just not make up some, you know, fake beer name for the future? I get it. It's it's not easy, but you guys are getting, yeah. you know, that's your job. Very strange. So, 
But you know, brewskis, I, that would have been a little worse, but not much. Yes, it would have been a lot worse. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do, I will counterpoint my own point, which is to say, one of the things that they would probably like to do for the show is bring in a wider audience, right? They're trying to bring yeah. in, you know, who yeah. God knows what Apple Studios is saying to Goyer about like, okay, how do we widen our audience? How do we capture more, you know, right. market, how we bring people in? All right, so let's let's make the trailers more you know, more explosions and more cool, you know, shots and uh, you know big activities. We're dealing with a lot of heady concepts here and intricacies of memory and genetics. So throwing in a you know an f bomb or a, you know saying beers or or what have you brings is that their attempt to, to try to counter weight the the bigger concepts that we're dealing with and even things know. out a little bit more. I, I don't put it past them. Maybe. But 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 still. <laughs> but still. Uh, Marilyn continues, how funny that I asked about violence right before John saw the Titans prick episode. I thought that they had handled that pretty well. Lady D's face tearing was far worse to me. Interesting dilemma for naming Denzians of Terminus. Denizens. Termi- Denz- yes. D- Denizens? Denizens. Denizens. Denzians. Den- yes. Um, Denizens. My, it's been a long week. Denosians. My brain, I don't know. <laughs> my brain is, you know, not operating in full capacity. Termini, Termini, Terminarians. Uh, perhaps it's just e- easier to call them foundationers. Yeah, I guess. It could be, but then we'd have to end this endless debate, and I don't want that. <laughs> and it doesn't sound, I don't know, it doesn't have as good a zing to it. Yeah. Uh, she says, looking forward to the next pod episode. Uh, of course. And we look forward to your emails, Marilyn. I'm glad you're enjoying the show and, and uh, having a good time with it. All right, Marilyn sent in uh, another email, but it's got some uh, quotes from the books. Uh, particularly, this one was about Bel Rios and describing who he was as a person and how he sort of operates. And we just want to be careful to not, I mean, I don't think these are that spoilerly. At the same time, we don't want to you know, uh, mix that too much. So, uh, but thanks Marilyn. I think it, it's, it's good stuff. Maybe you can post it on the discord and yeah, you know, it's, it's a, tricky a when we can't alter our memories anymore. Now that day is taking the power. <laughs> That's right. Damn that guy. Don Dusk was really upset by this. He's like, yes, this he whole was. question of, of, of how is he going to get leverage and what kind of leverage is he going to get? I think that's a really interesting thing. But you know, so. who won't be upset is our listeners because they have a lot coming this month. <laughs> they do. Busy, 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 busy. Uh, yes. Uh, especially August. from, especially from uh, our affiliates. We got Wool Shift Dust going with more of the Silo Book Club. I know Alicia is working on some other projects that you can start looking forward to, but I'll let her announce those. Uh, if you want to check her Patreon page, uh, I, I think you can follow the links within her podcast, which you can find in the show notes, and you can find out how to do that book club. You can always chat with her on Discord uh, as, about that, and also her Dune series that's coming as well. She's going to be yeah, covering that, the Dune book series and that should movies be, and video games th- and everything. Yeah, yeah. I think she's supposed to be dropping the first intro pretty soon on the yeah, Wolf Shift Dust yeah. feed. So so hang out there and keep an eye on that. Yeah, so yeah, she's going to do the book. She's going to do a documentary. She's going to talk about the 84 uh, movie. So it's not just a book club thing. Like, don't think it's just about the books. It's it's about the culture, the the pop media history and the culture vibe of Dune. Dune. That's right. Vibes. Yeah. It's all about the vibes. It's all about the spice, baby. 
All right. Uh, properly Howard film review is finally Movie back. Movie review. Oh my God, you're right. I keep I keep <laughs> saying film, and we were wrong the whole time. I left that into the Attack of the Clones podcast because I thought it was funny, but it was uh, funny. properly Howard movie review movie review movies a theologian and a stand-up comic walk into a podcasting studio to watch remakes this season and they are back august 14th with white man can't jump next week is going to be dune part one with us and alicia uh robocop is coming after that so there's a ton of stuff coming the wicker man the departed you got everything you could possibly want this season keep so fear the thing it's, sorcerer it's it's, a it's really funny fun guys stuff. i'm i'm enjoying it uh, Steve is is a working stand up comic. He you might have seen a tweet from us. He did a did a little show the other night. At, at, yeah, uh, ha ha. So keep posted on that. For us, yeah. we have a lot going on, David. A lot, too a much. lot, a lot. Too much. Some would say. Right, we're pre recording Foundation now because we just Thank have gosh. too much. Later Thank tonight, God, we we're going to record our first Ahsoka retrospective episode. I think. Yeah, I think we're calling it Stips now. I think we've settled into it. Have we? we just okay. keep, I don't know. It, it, we, we keep, keep using that everything. internally. Yeah, think, we keep. I think it's going to stick. I think okay. it's going to stick. Snips is the cute name for it because uh, that was her nickname that Anakin gave her in the Clone Wars. And we're going to be doing one episode on the Clone Wars, one episode on Rebels. So keep posted on that. One Piece is coming with Moses. We're going to break down the Arlong Park and Logetown arcs. You just finished Secret Invasion, David, and I know you're going to yep. come back for a little recap podcast where you have a season sort of breakdown podcast where you talk about the, we the talk about the dumpster the, fire yeah, yeah. that the secret invasion right, was right. and how Marvel studios really, um, yeah, messed right. up. So trauma bond with the MCU crew. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, I, I like that. We're going to trauma bond over, yeah. over secret invasion and we're going to catch up on some of the news and, and preview a little bit about what's coming down the pipeline. Cause we've got some more, yep. Uh, big movies coming and a, and the Loki trailer looked hot. That looked really cool. So, yep. And of course, we've got Ahsoka, the series coming, and we're going to be watching that week to week. Uh, and Wheel of Time, Wheel of Time is coming very quickly, and we will be covering that full coverage, right? Uh, with the Book Nook Quarter with Alicia, I think. So we'll yep. we'll figure out exactly how we're formatting that. But I think she's going to be involved in some capacity for. She's a huge Wheel of Time head. What do you guys oh, yeah. call yourselves? What are you, Time Writers? Uh, Randlanders? I don't know. Randlanders? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and don't forget, we have Silmarillion stories still this month and Lorehound's play. You guys are going to talk about Skyrim? Skyrim. Fusro Daha. No. You okay. don't know what that means, do I do not know what that means. It's funny because <laughs> you and I operate in the same Tolkien soup kind of things, but uh -huh. I play the only mostly the video games and you play mostly tabletop, so we just don't cross. Right, right. But yet so, we come from the same sort of, you know, yeah. uh, same mother, but two different fathers kinds of thing. Right, something right. Like that. So, uh, so we'll, Brandon and I will take care of the Tolkien soup on the screen. Sounds and uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun with that one. If you ever played Skyrim, which I'm sure many of you have, it's a, an exceedingly yes. popular game that's been released on platform after platform. Some may say too many times. And I hope that people will write in and share their Skyrim stories with us. LHP at thelorehounds.com. That'll, that'll be fun. Yeah, a note about the Earthsea. We're just taking a break for August because uh, we've got various people traveling to various places, and uh, we didn't want to try to uh, cram Tehanu into a half, you know, rushed podcast. So, Tehanu, uh, book four of Earthsea, Tehanu will be back in September, and then sometime after that, we've got a cool interview lined up with uh, um, 
with uh, we've got this cool interview lined up with Professor Plotz, who wrote a book about Earthsea and Ursula K. Le Guin, and so we're going to interview him. So we've got more coming down the line for that. Cool. And who okay. is making all this possible, David? Their patrons. Our patrons make it all possible for us, and we like to thank them. Um, you know what I did today, John? What'd you do? I sent out the first round of stickers to our internationals. Oh, very cool. Yeah, about a dozen of them. We're going to Japan. We're going to uh, Finland. We're going wow. to the UK. Uh, you know, the Lorehounds worldwide. Yes, Switzerland, uh, the Netherlands. Yeah, we've got you know stuff going on all over the place. I got to get the next round out. So if you were a subscriber in July, we have prepared. Uh, I think even somebody snuck in just over the line into August. But hey, you know it's good enough for us. We're going to be sending you a very special one-time only thank you gift for just to commemorate our first year for all of those um, who who decided that hey you know let's let's keep the lorehounds behind the mics let's make sure that they can keep the bits flowing and that is a I don't know it's it's kind of cool it's kind of very it's very much appreciated I mean I love doing this we're having a lot of fun but it's always hard to say family I have to walk away for two hours and talk about <laughs> science fiction and this helps justify it that's right it's pretty funny the the uh, the reactions you know the, I just told my spouse the other day look I just said this is very fulfilling to me and it's very important to me so John we like to thank our lore master patreon subscribers would you do the honors I would love to uh, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, and Deadeye Jedi Bob. Thank you all so much. You really are helping us keep the the wheels of the cart of the lorehounds rolling you're helping us fuel our trips to terminus and ignis <laughs> and beyond yeah so thank you all very much uh yeah be on the lookout for a large brown manila manila envelope uh winging its way in the mail to you very soon to say thank you for our first year of, of podcasting um everyone else um, thank you for listening and thank you for your continued support. See you next week. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all. 
all month and beyond.